Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. And on tonight's program, Shoreham Partners Adam Dawes looks at why stocks surge today. Whatever happened to the bond market concerns that were spooking the market last week? We also look at the stocks that still could rise because of vaccinations and the reopening of economies here and abroad. I'll also look at some stocks the analysts like and should benefit from the success of vaccines helping to bring normal business conditions back to town. I will do that with my Switzer Report colleague Paul Rickard and then I have two CEOs of two very interesting companies. The first is the CEO of Elmo Software, Danny Lesson, whose company has an 88.7% upside in its stock price if you believe the Morgan Stanley analyst who is charged with the job of assessing this company. And then we have the very laid-back uh, founder and CEO of Dicker Data, David Dicker, whose stock price is up, wait for it, 80% this year. So that's the show. For those who, of you who are Julia Lee fans, Julia is crook, so she won't be on the program tonight, but I'm sure she'll be back next week. So let's kick off and talk to Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. Well, to start the show, we have Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. And Adam, thanks for joining us. Yes, you're welcome. Anytime. Now, Adam, I've got to ask this question, you know, like the the market was so spooked about the US bond market, petrified that inflation is going to go through the roof and interest rates are going to rise. But today, whatever happened to those concerns? The market's up big time. Well, maybe a weekend, everybody had to think about their positions and potentially oversold yeah. to a lot there. Look, I think it's fantastic that the bond market is potentially looking at some inflation because this is a normal part of our cycle. Yeah. This is how we recover. This is what happens when you fall off a cliff and now you start to build yourself back up again. So I think inflation will be definitely managed over the next two to three years. I don't think interest rates are going anywhere this time this year, at least even for next year. And I think the market just got a little bit ahead of itself. Yeah. Buying opportunity, I, I called it last week. There we go. Absolutely. Okay, mate. Now, for the Switzer Report, you actually came up with a hot stock, which I must ask you about before I go to some more conventional ones. What is this stock you like? So Amero is the name or the ticker code is three, number three, three DA, three Delta Alpha. Mm. Look, this is a really interesting one. It's a metal, uh, 3D metal printing business. They've got some really good uh, contracts with Boeing. There's a couple of other things that are in the wings that, you know, in the next sort of two to three months we should hear about. But really at the, at the moment, it's, it's, it's the old uh, Konica uh, or it's the old um, uh, Xerox machines. Mm. So they basically sell the printers quite cheap but it's the additives or the metal printing that go, the 3D printing, the additives that go into it is where a lot of the profit is. I, I tell you what, I'm, the, I'm an old fashioned kind of guy. Yes. I, I just don't understand how anything metal will come out of a 3D, of a printing machine, but yeah. I'm sure it does. I'm well, sure yeah. it does. Absolutely. Space age, space tech, all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. all, it's all good. So yeah, no, so it's a really good one. It should, yeah. uh, your viewers should definitely have a look at it. Yeah. I, I do somehow suspect that that machine is is connected to something that can actually work in metal, but it's good <laughs> that it's working and it's good that big companies are buying the stuff. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, obviously too too small for the analysts to, to have a, a view yes. on, but it'll be interesting to see yes. how it goes. Uh, here are a couple of stocks that uh, are well known. Uh, and my theme tonight is the reopening trade. We know some stocks have already taken off, you know, the likes yeah. of Webjet, Flight Center and, and Qantas. But there are a lot of other stocks that, 
you know, really been held back. And a standout one for me that really has copped it is event hospitality because they own cinemas and they own hotels and resorts. It's yeah. been a pretty bad space. What do you think of that company going forward? Yeah, look, that reopening trade's definitely uh, going to happen. And, you know, the likes of the sort of Sydney airports or even the flight centres and the web jets, we saw a little bit of a spurt, you know, and then that's all come back down to normal again. Mm. Look, I think with these EVTs or the event hospitality guys, I think they're, it's a good business. I still think you've got time, though. Um, you know, we haven't started to see... Uh, we've started to see hospitality venues opening up. Hmm. Cinemas have always been sort of opening up as well, but nowhere near full capacity. No. And I'd be cautious of that going forward. Um, you know, we haven't seen live music or anything like that starting to come back as well. So that reopening trade is going to take some time. And it also means that people will get spooked very, very easily. Like we've had, you know, you were in lockdown in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, one person's got COVID, all of a sudden the whole state will shut down again. So I think it's a little bit too presumptuous to get into EVT, but I think certainly uh, I prefer the travel stocks to start with. And then once they've run, I think you'll start to see the EVT, those kinds of things starting okay. to move. A similar business in a similar sort of situation because it really wants the crowds to come back and it really needs probably Chinese and Asian tourists as well. But star like I, I yeah like I, I think I would have been willing to buy crown on a long-term basis if it wasn't for a royal commission that royal commission worried me but star doesn't have a royal commission it, 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 do you think it's a, a reasonable long-term play once the Asian tourists come back and once we are going out in normal hospitality uh, activities yes that is a better pick than EVT star group absolutely is a is a far better pick very well run They've got a fantastic flagship product there. Um, I don't know the smaller one, AQS. I don't know if anyone's been watching that one. Uh, that's the one that owns the Canberra Casino. Okay. Okay. And that's been running on a, on a tear at the moment. Um, be, basically, because if Crown's not going to be up and running, where else are they going to go go and gamble? Star Group or or even Canberra uh, yeah. might do so well. So yeah, Star Group I like and I think it's a very good business. And it seems to me for Star, it's two steps. The first step is. Now the borders are open, if they stay open, well, in Sydney, you're going to get a lot of Queenslanders and Victorians and country people, and they will probably go to Star because yep. there's less people there. It's not as, as crowded as it used to be. So yeah. interstate trade first step up, and overseas uh, travel will be the next uh, leg up, pro probably yeah. in 2022, I'd say. All right, let's go to the next one I've got here, mate, and that is Avita Medical. Now, it's not covered locally, I actually looked at CNN has a, a money website, and they're pretty they're pretty keen on uh, Avita Medical. Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting business, and it's one of those ones that you sort of think. It, I feel that it's it's ahead of its time, mm. and it's sort of now, now the market needs to catch up with it a bit. But look, I, I think that this one is an interesting one, and you can look to some of the US stocks that potentially would do exactly what these guys do. Resell in the NASDAQ also does quite well, also in that sort of med tech sector space. But look, this one I think uh, has a little bit more juice left in it. You know, I've looked at it a couple of times and always been a little bit scared by the business. And, and obviously COVID has sort of uh, put a bit of a dampener on this one. So for me, look, it's a hold at the moment and getting some more understanding of the business. But look, uh, overall, it's, it's, it's a really good company. Yeah, and it seemed to me it has the same problem that CSL has in, the, in America, that, you know, that, that they need plasma collections and no one's going to give, give their blood where coronavirus is 
Correct. you know, worrying everybody. And the media probably is in the same sort of situation. A lot of, you know, uh, sort of uh, operations that would go on normally mm -hmm. are being held back. Yeah. All yeah, right. Absolutely. Now, what about this one? And a lot of people will be wondering, A2 milk. Now, we often say buy the, the best of breed in any sector. And, yep. and no company is as good as A2 milk when it comes to baby formula, particularly going to China. But yep. there are special problems going on now. But if you're a long-term investor, do you think A2 milk will eventually make a comeback? So we've got three things that are going to play out with A2 milk, and we've already had two of those things play out. We've had three downgrades yep. on the stock, and now we've had management change. Hmm. Okay? So the rule of thumb is three downgrades, management change, and this is the third one, is that management will then clear all the skeletons out of the closet. So yeah. there potentially could be one more downgrade to mm. this. Yeah. And then, yes, that's the time to buy. Mm. So we've it's played out beautifully. The stock's been falling. It's had three downgrades. We've had a management change down here at the bottom. Longer term people, I love this story. I think it's fantastic. It's a buy, definitely. Yeah. But it's just going to be in the sin bin for a little bit longer until that CEO comes in and cleans out the skeletons. Yeah. So... In many ways, you might say we're getting close to the bottom, but let's see some upside that may well rest on the, the new CEO making a few big changes and away we go. Yeah, and also, absolutely. I guess we need to see Chinese tourists coming back because they're pretty important as well because they, they take a lot of that stuff home in their bags. Well, isn't it funny because we always thought that they had revenue from the US, New Zealand. They sold a lot of milk. We didn't worry about the, the Chinese and the diagals, but then all of a sudden, they all finished and then all of a sudden that revenue just dried up and that's a real big factor factor for A2 milk. Yeah. Don't want to use this analogy, but I'm going to. It took the cream off the milk, didn't it? <laughs> My hat's off to you, sir. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Adam Dawes, Sharon Partners, thanks for joining us. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Joining me now is my colleague on the Switzer Report, Paul Rickard. And I want to talk to him about the reopening trade. There's already been a bit of a leg up for a number of companies, but if you sift through the Australian companies out there that still could be beneficiaries of vaccinations, business getting back to normal, there still are quite a lot out there today. And I actually wrote about it on the Switzer Report today. I want to run some of those companies by Paul and we'll see if you've got any other ones you want to throw into the mix, Paul. Good to see you. Thanks, Peter. Um, CSL, to me it seems like a natural that it's going to be a beneficiary of the reopening trade. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, the main reason that CSL has been a bit of an underperformer the last 12 months, Peter, is because it's uh, had a few challenges around the collection of, of uh, blood plasma. In America. In America, where it's uh, got about 60% uh, of its business and the other 30% is in Europe. And uh, most of its plasma comes out of the US, I think something like about 400 collection centres. Mm. A lot of those are in the major cities, are often located in uh, less affluent uh, neighbourhoods. And uh, COVID-19 has played its part in the sense that it's just not able to collect it because people 
can't move as freely. They're a bit more concerned about its higher cost as well when people come in. Uh, and blood, plasma blood collections have been down about 20%. Mm. And that's probably been the major reason why the analysts have been a bit negative on the stock because it's not a question of CSL being able to sell its products. It's been really about a, a question about being able to collect the blood plasma. Yeah. And so if you think if, uh, if, if the US gets fully vaccinated, uh, we all get normalcy returns, then so should collections of, of, of blood plasma. So that's, mm. I think, definitely one that could, could benefit better. And, and, and wouldn't it also be fair to say that the kind of medical treatments involved in maybe helping someone who's got coronavirus be very different from all the car accidents that aren't going on, all the other injuries that require a lot more blood. So the actual demand for blood from hospitals was, has probably gone down as well. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there are positives for CSL in, in that environment, Peter. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the other, the negative for CSL, of course, is the currency. You yeah. can't do much about that. Um, but, uh, I mean, look, I, I think CSL's a great company. I've been a bit surprised why it's stalled here, and mm. I think it's really the analysts just... For so the long-term investor, it doesn't yeah. look bad, does it? Okay, let's go to Avita Medical. Well, this is a Burns company in, in skincare, Peter, mm. and, of course, they've also been impacted because, uh, again, fewer people coming in to get treatments. Mm. Uh, and they've, so they've gone to the US, haven't they? Australian-based, went to the US. Yeah, list, listed on, I think it's NASDAQ. Mm. Uh, and again, um, another company that, look, had, had an interesting run. I pretty you can't put a chart up about this, but mm. uh, uh, I think there are a lot of fans of that company. But certainly, um, I know Tony Featherston's pretty bullish on it yeah. from uh, the Switzer report um, as a long-term play. Yeah. And another one that could benefit from uh, vaccination and normalcy returning. Yeah, and I looked at it too, and the CNN uh, Money website, they're pretty keen on it as well. And about eight analysts, I think, look at the company, and they're pretty fa favourable towards it as well. Here's one locally, Sonic Healthcare. Paul, you've got a bit of a knowledge of Yeah, that. I mean, I think Sonic's a great company. I don't, I'm not sure it's actually... I think it has been a bit of a winner anyhow from mm. the um, pandemic, Peter, because of its pathology work and all the processing... Okay. of all the testing. Very unclear at the moment, they're very hush-hush about what everyone's getting paid to do all the mm. testing work, yeah. uh, whether that's because of, I think government's paying and um, there's probably a few provisions there. But mm. uh, look, I mean, I'm, I was a bit surprised on this one, Peter, not that I don't think it can benefit, but um, you obviously had some reasons for including it. Yeah, well, the analyst thing's got 16.8% upside, Paul, and I, I just figured that they must believe there's a lot of normal business that's been put on hold while they've been doing all the stuff around the coronavirus and, and maybe they see the potential for the company. It, ha it has actually done pretty well, um, hasn't it, in, in recent times? Look, it's been a very steady stock. It has had a bit of a bump up. Uh, and uh, again, it's one of those companies, uh, one of those great Australian medical companies that's now most of its revenue comes outside Absolutely. Australia. Yeah. Uh, made a lot of acquisitions in the US and also Europe. And mm. uh, I think more than 60% or it's maybe about 45 in Australia, Australasia, but the majority is now overseas, mm. uh, and uh, I think it can be a lot of, lot of potential there. Here's a company a lot of us are invested in, Appen. Um, clobbered after being a very good company, I think around for $38, $40 at one stage now, you know, hovering around the $16, $17 mark or something. Yeah, like and, and being clobbered this year, I think it started the year at about 23 24 and down to a uh, high 16s, mm. uh, so down about 30% this can year. Can I just interrupt you then, yeah. Paul? If America hadn't had that re... Uh, that rebound of infections and all the problems we've got. Do you reckon uh, Appen's share price would be a little bit higher? Look, I, th I think it would, Peter. It's hard to say just how much depends on the Googles 
Silicon and, Valley, and really. Silicon Valley for Those the big companies that use it. I mean, in uh, in Apple's half-year report that came out, they, they put quite a lot of emphasis on so-called continuing business and on a revenue base of, I think, of about 600 million, about 120 is contractual. In other words, it should keep recurring. Yeah. That's only about 20%. So the other 80% depends on largely one-off one projects. Mm. Uh, to and this is artificial intelligence yeah, and machine so learning. Yeah, so this is analysing a whole realm of data to produce some other result. And, mm. and obviously the bigger companies, the Silicon Valley companies, are most advanced in that. And, yeah. and yeah, it's been argued that um, the virus has played a part in the sense that they've deferred yeah. some discretionary CFOs yep. saving their money. Yep. And, doing, doing, yeah. and so that's why Apple had a pretty hard uh, yeah. second half. Now, it said the fourth quarter was better than the third quarter. Um, but still, the market's still been a bit disappointed. So um, the market's a hard judge when yeah. you when you get priced on a multiple and suddenly um, you disappoint. Mm. Um, the market is pretty unforgiving. And on that point, a lot of the market assessments are more shorter term than many of us as long term investors, and so that can sometimes be the advantage to the long term investor. As long as you're prepared to cop a bit of uh, sleepless nights until the the long term comes around. It can be a buying opportunity, can't it? It, it can be, and I think Apple's a pretty good company. Again, it's another market mm. leader. I mean, you saw what happened to its, its sort of, I won't say it's competitor, but Newix, which uh, came on the market to rave reviews, bounced, got as high as $11, was trading around 9 mm. released its result on uh, Thursday or Friday last week. It lost a third overnight. Smashed, wasn't it? By and large, it reported, according to its prospectus forecast, right. it was a little bit of waiting towards a revenue in the second half. Yeah. But... Um, Simply because it's, it's finding it harder to get new business because a lot of its clients are still hesitant. And uh, mm. but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a great company. And yeah. I think Apple's in that category too, Peter. So artificial intelligence, you wouldn't naturally have thought this is going to be you know, hit by the coronavirus. But when you get a, a major change in economic circumstances, people do defer. Uh, not, they certainly defer discretionary spending, and certainly new projects are often put back, you yeah. know, and that's what I think Apple is, uh, uh, has been the mainstay of Apple's growth. Next company I, I want to look at is Star Entertainment. Um, and I, I must admit, if, it, if the Crown Resort wasn't going through a Royal Commission, I probably think it should benefit from a reopening trade. But the Royal Commission worries me. But Star, it doesn't have a Royal Commission. Um, what do you think of Star? Look, I think Star's okay. I mean, it's one of those companies that hasn't done a lot. It hasn't done a lot for a long time. Mm. Even, even the sell down didn't get sold off that hard. Even <laughs> um, <laughs> collapsed badly. So, um, look, I, I think it's, there's upside there. I mean, yeah. it, clearly Star has always been a limbo gear for the domestic tourists and the international tourists. We're not mm. going to see international tourists for... At least guess, a year. I guess at least a year. Mm. Um, but, you know, people in... Uh, in Sydney, where most of its business is, Sydney and Brisbane are out there spending. Yeah. Uh, domestic tourism and is high. tourists will come in. Interstate tourism is high. You've got Crown's got its own challenges. That's got to be a positive for, for Star. Yeah. You've also got its new project uh, opening. So I think, you know, probably a more open, more obvious reopening trade, but um, there's upside for Star. Okay. Now, another interesting one is event hospitality. Now, they've got cinemas and resorts and things like that. Been usually a safe pair of hands type of company, isn't it, Paul? It has. I mean, a lot of, um, you know, apart from cinemas, uh, it's also owned Threadbow, the ski resort, mm. 
uh, and a couple of other things. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been really hard hit by the cinemas in particular. It was saying this year there was only one blockbuster film last year that got more than $15 million yeah. in the year before they had 10 or something. Well, have you been to the cinema? I haven't been to the cinema since. And so I, 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 we, we often used to go every, uh, every weekend. Haven't been for a year. And I think that's, that's <coughs> the problem. I mean, mm. interesting, the price has come back pretty strongly yeah. um, from its um, post-corona low. Mm. So there's probably a fair bit built into it. But... I think it's probably um, a more natural and a less riskier uh, beneficiary of the reopening than, say, the airlines. Uh, we're still mm. going to need behaviour change on the airlines, yep. um, I think, or at least uh, to get their business up. And, um, and uh, or I think the other thing that have, um, has challenged event, there haven't been a lot of black blockbuster movies. So yeah. Hollywood hasn't been really doing its job yeah. there. And um, If they had, they've been on Netflix or Amazon mm. or whatever, haven't they? So well, I, I think there's upside to being ahead of time. Okay, well, that, that's what I'm shooting at for. Is there any other stock out there that you think you really like to benefit from the reopening trade? Well, here's a couple. I think Ramsey Healthcare, Peter, I mean, um, it, it's probably already ticked up a little bit. Mm. I mean, you don't necessarily think of private hospitals, but private hospitals have had few elective surgery going through them. Mm. Uh, less so in Australia, but Ramsey's very much uh, now half its business is in Europe, particularly France and the UK, mm. and they're subject to some uh, agreements with the local governments about the services they're providing um, because mm. of the pandemic. At some stage, that's going to reverse, and uh, private hospital admissions will pick up again. So mm. that's um, it's held in pretty well. It's got a strong balance sheet. It reported pretty well. That's what a stock that certainly could benefit uh, as the vaccine comes through and governments free up facilities yeah. and free up rules. So yeah. that's, that's one. Yeah. Uh, another riskier one is probably media. We talked about that yeah. earlier. Um, outdoor advertising. Yeah. You know, there's and less also of that in around. the lifts. And in the lifts, because yeah. there's been fewer traffic now with you know, people coming back to work. I think Melbourne's gone back to 75% today. Mm. Yeah, there's potential upside there. So there's a lot of companies that have had their... Um, their, you know, their wings clipped. Their wings clipped and are really putting a lot of um, faith in normalcy returning. Yeah. And um, I think it's just a matter of picking those that um, can benefit, but also where the consumer trend and the behaviour change or whatever it is, is, is going to be a, um, a tailwind rather than a headwind. Yeah, exactly. Now, coming up uh, after uh, this interview is the CEO of Elmo, Danny Lissom, who I interviewed late last week. Paul and I both quite like Elmo. We've been to the company uh, I know I've invested a little bit. Paul's a bit more scabby. He's been waiting for the price to fall a bit. I'm now an investor, Peter. So <laughs> by the way, okay, so the price has fallen. But the, the point is this. Um, uh, what surprised me is the analyst, well, the one analyst that looks at it, Morgan Stanley, thinks this is a, a $9 stock or whatever. So I had to at least go and talk to the CEO to try and work out the reason why there's a discrepancy between what um, the market's prepared to pay and what the expert analyst for this company thinks the price should be. Um, and I think this is a company that will benefit from businesses getting back to normal. We'll see what the CEO says right now. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Well, I'm catching up with the CEO and founder of Elmo Software, uh, Danny Lesson. Danny, great to see you. 
Good to see you again, Peter. Okay, now, so Denny, um, you reported recently. What was the summary of the report that you took to market? Just in case people don't find it interesting to read the reports of listed companies, what was the bottom line summary? Yeah, look, uh, very pleased with our results. Uh, uh, Firstly, the big takeaway is we're well on our way in terms of achieving our guidance. That's mm. the most important thing, is we continue to grow the company and we fared very well in, in the COVID circumstance. In mm. fact, uh, we're starting to see, particularly at the end of the reporting period, we're starting to see procurement come back to normal. Yeah. Well, for people who don't understand what that means, what does procurement came back to normal mean? It means that uh, companies that were investing in um, technologies, business process technologies, and we, we work around HR, payroll, and expense management, is when they went into COVID, a lot of the CFOs or financial functions, they said, well, we're not gonna spend on technology. So they, they put a block on um, the decision makers, the HR managers, etc. They said, don't buy the solution now, put it off. Mm. So that got deferred. And now those same CFOs are saying, that's fine, we go back to um, uh, normal mm. and you will have the budgets reinstated. Mm. So we see. And you're starting to see people saying yes rather than no uh, on, on a relative basis, say so six months ago or nine months ago. Yeah, so the, the, same, the same prospects who said, sorry, we have to defer uh, the decision to a later stage, they, they're getting on the phone and they're saying, well, we've reached that later stage, right. let's, let's, let's get back to contracting. Okay, now, as you know, and I've, I've told the people who watch me and read me that I've invested in you guys, not too much, but I'm investing in you guys. And I'm sort of surprised, A, the share price has been falling since you reported, and I thought, well, maybe they reported badly, but I remember reading it at the time thinking, no, it's pretty good, um, I'm happy. Uh, but the market seems to be going against you at the moment. And I've noticed that some of the reports say, well, this is a company that did well during the COVID-19 lockdown. And I thought, did you really do well during that period? Or have they, the market analysts or the, the business commentators got that one wrong? Yeah, look, um, uh, just during COVID is working with, with uh, human resources, they really, it, it did adversely affect us. So if we go to prior COVID, we were growing at, uh, Steady, steadily year on year, around about 30% on an annual recurring revenue basis. Right. That's our subscription revenue. And uh, came COVID, um, that, that has dropped because of the deferral of um, procurement decision making, mm. as well as- Which is logical, everyone's cutting costs during that period. Absolutely, mm. but um, is what we're seeing, particularly at, towards the end of the period, is we're seeing that uh, those buying decisions coming back on the table, and um, it's looking it's looking really good for the second half and we do believe by the time we reach FY22 we'll be back to those high growth rates. Yeah and, and I, I like the idea that you were diversifying with your Breathe product and that, that was bought out of the UK and, and your primary focus was initially mid-cap business. This gives you uh, access to smaller cap companies, small businesses that need some kind of HR payroll um, solution? Yeah, absolutely right. So it's fit for purpose. It's a self-service platform for mm. smaller businesses, sort of 50 employees and less. And we've been getting a mm. lot of inquiries from these smaller businesses. They want to automate, mm. um, uh, but they need the right sort of solution. It has to be simple, linear, mm. and, and automated completely. 
and Breathe has bought that. Um, it is UK based, but uh, we're launching it in Australia and New Zealand now, mm. and we do believe that we'll get a very big. Has uptake. it gone to market? So businesses know about it, but it's just like your marketing program has to basically introduce it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the industry, we call it a soft launch. Mm. So we uh, it's up there. Um, mm. We've got uh, people trialing up, and there's a free trial, 14 day trial. Um, but we haven't started the big marketing push yet because mm. we, we're getting our operations ready. So just the support mechanisms, et cetera. So mm. it's ready to go. Mm. Um, we do believe that um, this will be um, uh, very, 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 very strong in ANZ. Mm. Um, in terms of, um, since we acquired it, we acquired it in October of last year. Yeah. Um, for the first three months we've had it, and this is um, just business in the UK. It grew, grew at over 24% on an annualized basis mm. on annualized recurring revenue. So very strong, doesn't matter about the lockdowns or not. This is such a, uh, if I can call it a greenfield or virgin market, yeah. and there's uh, such momentum or uh, impetus for uptake of technology that um, it's it's gonna go very, very yeah. quickly. So what you were saying then was that Breeze performance in the UK has over what period of time grown by 24%? That's over the three months we've owned it. So mm. prior to COVID, it, it was growing at well north of 30% on a subscription base. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't really slowed down even with the mandatory lockdown. So, so you, you've actually bought it and retained the ownership in the UK as well? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So you, you, I, I thought you might have bought it un, to use it under license here, but oh no, you got the whole company, right? Got that right. Now you also acquired something else. Yes, we, we acquired a expense management company called Web Expenses, mm. also headquartered in the United Kingdom. Um, it really is there to widen our convergence solutions to add expense management. Uh, re we've already done the data integration and we're taking it to market to our 1,800-odd clients in ANZ. So mm. again, it expands our market opportunity by an additional module revenue stream. Yep. And it also gives us that footprint in the UK to launch our HR modules to that market. And, and part of your, your business model is that, okay, you started in pay, payroll or HR? What was the first? We started in HR. HR, yeah. And, but you've had, you're adding on various modules. How many modules do you have that a business could effectively buy from you? Yeah, so at the moment we've got 16 modules. Mm. So we sell on a modular basis. So our customers only need to invest in the module that they need at yeah. that point. So it's like a smorgasbord. They, they go and see what they want to like a, consume. Like a, like a smorgasbord. <laughs> um, there's no prerequisite. You don't have to start off with the appetizers and move on to something yeah. else. Yeah. So you can start off on any module. And why it works well is the, the underlying hypothesis of our business model is that there's an appetite. We can continue the... Yeah, I, I, I love a, a consistent <laughs> analogy, well done, mate. <laughs> Just in terms of it, is there's an appetite in the marketplace for a broad convergence solution to manage people, process, and pay. So yeah. they want one solution, mid-tier organizations, as well as the small businesses, and they want it to be interoperable. Yeah. They want it to be very easy and um, uh, accessible by their, by their employees. And that's what we're offering. And by adding these adjacencies, we're actually widening the competitive moat around our product because we're the widest uh, offering in, certainly in the region here. And we're also adding additional revenue streams. So that uh, means that we can get uh, more revenue from the existing client base. Mm. So um, we are talking before the interview and you are saying that um, possibly part of the um, 
fall in your share price, given the, the fact the report was good, you got accurate, you've acquired potentially very good businesses, is the fact that tech stocks are in favour worldwide, and you know we've, we've seen the likes of Afterpay, Coppet, and whatever, um, and Tesla, and all those sort of companies. And, and do you feel though that the the market sometimes lumps you in the technology space as opposed to a business that really, uh, you are technological, but you are actually more likely to be driven by the, the growth of business returning to normalcy. Absolutely. So squarely, we are a technology mm. stock, mm. but um, in terms of uh, the advent of COVID, is uh, uh, we were counter-cyclical to COVID. So mm. COVID um, reduced our growth levels, mm. um, and post-COVID, uh, we expect them to get back to your um, uh, pre-COVID numbers as well. So um, we we are a bit counter-psychical um, in terms of that COVID effect. Yeah, and in a perfect world, would would this interesting indicator be good for your business? If all the people who used to work in the CBDs of Australia went back to work and business was normal, would that be a good, yeah, unusual indicator for a business like yours? Yeah, so uh, for us it's really important is um, when businesses are functioning normally, mm. then they make the, the, the uh, buying decisions in terms of technology. In fact, um, uh, through the advent of COVID is a lot of businesses um, see the cloud as a way of future-proofing or um, ensuring that businesses don't fail with remote-based working. Mm. So we do feel that there are tailwinds behind the adoption of cloud-based business systems, and that's squarely where we are, just with uh, HR, payroll, and expense management. So um, moving, and we're starting to see it already, particularly in the last quarter, is as we get into a post-COVID world, we're starting to see that pick up in, in terms of uh, the buying activity from our clients, mm. as well as um, just generally mm. out there, the, the level of education. Yeah. So are, are you saying then that one thing we know happened during the stay-at-home phase or the pre, the, the post-COVID, well, the COVID phase, was that people started buying a lot more stuff online as consumers. Mm. Do you think that the impact of, of that will also mean a lot of businesses will start looking for online solutions where once upon a time they might have had a person come in and do a job that now can be effectively done online? Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, uh, sort of the momentum that's come with uh, remote-based working, uh, social isolation, and the engagement of of the cloud or the internet for all sorts of um, consumer activity will definitely add impetus to um, uh, on a business level in terms of investing in cloud-based solutions. So the analysts who thought that you you know you're living a life of Riley during the stay-at-home phase in a sense have got wrong in terms of their timing. The, out of that stay-at-home phase has become opportunities that w won't be materialized until 2021, 2022. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for us, uh, is um, uh, just in terms of those tailwinds, we'll, we'll get that adoption coming through. We're starting to see it already. Mm. And um, is we haven't been sitting, um, uh, twiddling our thumbs during COVID. We've- uh, Haven't you? I thought you guys were Big on thumb twiddling. <laughs> we've been investing very heavily in the business. So yeah. in the product and our people, we've we've done two acquisitions which uh, extend our, our our view of our addressable market. We brought in a fit for purpose solution for small businesses. Mm -hmm. That's that breathe acquisition, and we've also acquired 
web expenses. So now we we an additional adjacency and additional module expense management, and um, we're very very well positioned to take advantage of those tailwinds behind the adoption. We've got a bigger solution and we've got a bigger addressable market. Okay. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell anyone who's already invested in the stock or a thing you've invested in the stock? Is there any, any other part of the story that I haven't covered so far? Um, look, we've covered a lot, but what I'd like to emphasize is that um, uh, we we operating well. We we said what we would, uh, we did what we said we would do. We're on track for our guidance. And we um, uh, do believe that we'll get back to our very high growth rates as we move into this post-COVID phase. So very, very um, uh, happy with where we are mm. and very excited about the future. Yeah, so you, c you care more about Main Street than Wall Street, eh? I'm, I'm listen to Main Street, <laughs> sometimes invest in Wall Street, but um, definitely we listen to the voice of the customer and the market and things are looking very bright. Okay, Danny, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. That's Danny Lesson, the CEO of Elmo Software. So we're talking to the founder of Dicker Data, which is a listed company that's done really well in recent times. It's, from my point of view, I wanna know what the company does and what is its future. David, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Dicker Data. What exactly do you do, David? Well, we're a distributor of IT stuff and comms, hardware, software, computers, um, communications gear, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Were you always called Dicker Data? Yeah, well, I got started in the computer industry by accident in 78. Yeah. It was my father's idea, to be honest, because I thought it was a crap idea. To be, you know, I don't even like the sound of my name. So, but anyway, I went along with it because I figured he knew something. Yeah. So, that was the history of okay. it. Okay. Now, when when you look on, go on your website and you see about us, it's quite apparent that you seem to be um, distributing a whole lot of stuff, I presume, to a whole lot of resellers. And you have an enormous range of stuff that you do. So tell us, you know, explain to us exactly what the company Dicker Data does. Well, we basically cover the entire IT and communications industry. We've got basically all the significant brands and we've been doing it for a very long time. Our basic mission is to provide um, support to dealers in terms of the technical side. There's a lot of I mean, networking and all these sort of things are really complicated. And then our mission is to get it to you tomorrow if you order it today. Yeah, now, people like me don't know exactly the history of your industry, but over the years, you know, I've done speeches for various distributors and, and there would have been, I would have thought, lots of distributors covering lots of resellers. Have you been able to, um, merge a lot of those distributors into one company, namely Dicker Data, and therefore you pick up a whole lot more resellers, or have you simply grown organically? Well, it was mostly organic, um, but in 2014, we bought Express Data, mm. and Express Data was probably number three on the distributor list, and we were number, I don't know what, but by buying them, we moved up to number three on the list 
if you just go on raw revenue, but we're number one on if you only look on the commercial side because Ingram and Cynics do retail and consumer stuff and we don't do that. Okay. So you, you said to me earlier before we got on there, you um, are usually based in Dubai, but you've been um, locked in New Zealand for the last year, I, I presume because of the coronavirus. Um, you look really laid back. Is this the way you generally run your company? In a laid back kind of way? I got a car project over here. Mm. So I've been prosecuting that. But, you know, look, our company's been going for 42 years and I've got people there that have been there for 20 years. Mm. And we've got an uh, incredibly capable management team. Yep. So, you know, they don't need me for very much. Okay. I know what to do. I, I know when I used to teach um, at the University of New South Wales, the head of school there was a guy called Professor Rimmo, and we were talking about entrepreneurs. And he said to me, the definition of an entrepreneur is, a, is the, uh, the, well, it was the old days. He said it was a, a case of a, of, a, of a man who can make a decision at the right, make the right decision at the right time, even if he's on the golf course. And I guess that actually is not a bad definition of an entrepreneur, but they are men and women nowadays. Yeah, well, it's important. That kind of one of the advantages our company has is that we make decisions quickly, and I'm talking about you know in an hour or something. Yeah. Like we we don't have a we don't have any kind of processes or setups that prevent that. Most of our board members are men are executives of the company because I think that's the correct way to have it structured. Mm -hmm. And if the, if an issue comes up. Well, you know, we're going to, we'll call a meeting this afternoon and discuss it. And we won't just sort of beat it around. We'll come to a decision. I mean, you know, we won't sort of say, oh, well, yeah, we'll talk about it and then let's think about it and maybe we'll get a consultant. Mm. You know, we don't operate like that. We'll, we'll make a decision and we'll move forward with it. Um, I'm going to put on screen the chart of the share price of Dicadata over the last, you know, five years or so. And uh, you, you certainly um, you kind of went, uh, didn't go very far until about 2019, 18, and you really took off and it's been a, a really strong um, looking chart. Um, what is your competitive advantage, David, considering that you, you know, what you're doing is basically you know, supplying to a whole lot of resellers, what is Dicadata's competitive advantage? Our basic advantage is that we have better people and we have a better structure and a better strategy. Mm. Because look, we sell the same products as our competitors and we do with the same vendors. So the only way we can get an edge is by having better people and having better ways of doing business, which we do. Okay. So on Thursday, you reported, what were the highlights? If someone is an investor or contemplating being an investor, what do you think were the, the main highlights of the report? Well, the headline number is the two billion in sales, but obviously that's just a number. Um, but look, the highlight of it is that in, in in ten years ago, on the on the twenty fourth of January, we listed this company at twenty cents a share with a market cap of twenty five million. And okay, it's pulled back a little bit in the last week. Mm. But that that was tr it was trading above twelve dollars with a market cap of two billion a couple of weeks ago and yeah look I don't even consider it to be a growth stock and 
I'm sure that there's other companies that have been on the ASX in that period that have done better, but there wouldn't be many. Yeah. And and what was the profit like? Because a lot of companies that have done brilliantly on the ASX haven't turned a profit. What are the profits like for Dicadata? Yeah, well, last year it was 57 million NPAT. Hmm. And was that a, a record high? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Has a company benefited from the lockdown, stay-at-home economy of 2020? Well, on the face of it, you could, you'd probably say that we have, but you're really going to need to factor that through all the way to when we get to a we're sort of in effect fully recovered and then look back on it and see where it's mm. at. Um, I think one of the things about this whole thing that it's shown that I think the economists maybe haven't got, haven't really been on the case of is that our economy is obviously a lot more resilient than I think commentators would give it credit for because if you'd have put this scenario up to most people, they would have been saying that the whole thing's just going to completely collapse. Mm. And while obviously there's areas that have really screwed badly, in the overall scheme of things, it hasn't been too bad. Mm. So I think that shows that the economy is much more resilient than people give it credit yeah. for. I would have thought, David, that you may well have got um, a really good boost in business from the stay-at-home consumer slash employee who needed to trick up the technical capabilities of his house or her house, but you would have lost a bit of business demand because businesses were really worried about the implications, you know, there was JobKeeper and all that sort of stuff. Isn't that a fair assessment, do you think? And therefore, in 2021, business demand might be the, the rebounder for your business. Yeah, it's a pretty correct assessment, if you, in my view. The enterprise guys were obviously having to take it a bit carefully. Yeah. And the other people have got to gear up because they have to do stuff. Mm. And that'll sort of flip over this year probably to some extent. Okay. I've got a funny feeling you, you won't give me a great answer to this, but you, you are a surprise package, I've got to say, David. What do you think is going to be a game changer for Dicker Data? Even though you don't need to change it very much because you're, you're on a nice rise. But what, what are you going to be doing in 2021 that will keep this great momentum you've got for the, the, the company and the stock uh, going? Well, we got a, there's a few things that we're, we're looking at, but one of the obvious areas would be to expand into more countries, which is obviously something we want to do, but it's very difficult because this business revolves around vendor alignments. Mm. You know, you don't ring up a vendor and say, oh, I want to distribute your product. Your product, it doesn't work like that. Mm. and all the big vendors have already got very solid landscapes pretty much worldwide. So it's hard to get the opportunities, but we're going to be looking much more in that direction this year. Yeah. And, and what about the, the rivals at home? Do you think some of them are vulnerable because they don't have the same um, customer service that clearly has been a competitive advantage for you? Look, to be honest, I don't even, I don't think about the opposition too much. The, 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 the biggest difference is structural because they're all foreign multinationals. Australia is only two or 3% of the world market. So they're not significant to their headquarter headquarters. Mm. They certainly don't have any input to their headquarters in how, how things ought to be operated. And, you know, that just makes it difficult. But look, all US 
foreign companies are the same because of the nature of how they structure them and it seems unlikely to change. I've got to, I've got to ask this question because a lot of my viewers will be thinking about given what you said, you, you're competing against foreigners, have, have you been, has anyone ever knocked on your door and tried to buy you? Uh, you, you look like yeah, we we just about sold it to HNA, but just before they bought Ingram. Mm. Um, in fact, we basically agreed the deal, um, and the HNA guy said, "Oh well, we bought Ingram, so we'll give it to their M and A department," and they knocked it on the head because they said, oh, "These figures can't be right because you just can't make that much money in distribution." Mm. And I think that that was for a that was for a price of um, about two bucks forty a share. <laughs> so how long ago was that? About two or three years ago. Not that long ago. Not whenever whenever H uh, and A bought Ingram. It's only about three years yeah. ago. Yeah. So you know. And ever since then, your share price has been rocketing, mate. It's been great talking to you, David. You think you think there's anything else a, a potential investor would want to know about the business? Well, it's the same old story. If you can stay in something for the long term, you're going to do well. Look, we, we floated this company. Um, we needed 500 holders with $2,000 a holder. The underwriting brokers we used were so pathetic. We actually placed more of those 500 holders within basically our dealer base than they did. And any of those people, even today, um, that $2,000 would be 110. Mm. Now, it's pretty hard to get that kind of deal, and that's in a 10-year period. It's pretty hard to do better than that. So while past performance is no guarantee of future growth, as they say, um, I wouldn't bet against it, that's for sure. David Dicker, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks a lot. And that was David Dicker of Dicker Data. And in case you would like to know more about the Switzer Report, which I've referred to in this show, just go to switzerreport.com.au. Uh, we put out three reports a week and uh, we tap into some of the smartest guys and girls, ladies, who investigate some of the best and most promising companies on the Australian stock market. And we go abroad as well. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you next week.